Hey guys, Chris here and welcome to this episode of Rise of Humanity. Today I am very glad to be joined by my guest Clayton John Anger. Clayton is a business consultant, spiritual teacher, international speaker and author of the incredible award-winning book The Ego's Code. Clayton's mission through his book and his work is helping people to release the negativity that is standing between them and their innate greatness so that they can find deeper levels of happiness and fulfillment and create a truly authentic life for themselves. So Clayton, it's wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God, it is so amazing to be here. I'm so, so grateful to you, Chris. So thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. Thank you. So I have read your book, The Ego's Code, and uh, I kind of I just want to jump straight into that. Cause it's amazing. It's full of um, awesome insights and exercises for improving your life and your emotional well-being. But um, first, I just want to address this big, huge game changer for me was this huge revelation that the ego, uh, the ego, the same ego that is so aggressively rallied against today, is in fact a part of us and is here to help us grow. I mean, that's such an enlightened perspective. So can you just talk about that and how you kind of came to realize it because it's completely the opposite of what most of the world's saying at the moment yeah I, I would i would love to share that so um first of all my definition of the ego is to expand your greatness out and and where that actually came from if i go back um i i used to be an accountant and a tax consultant and many many you know and i was very unhappy in my career um, uh, there was a number of areas of my life which I was very, very unhappy with, um, and, and my life changed very, very significantly. You know, I, I left one marriage. I piled on, you know, so much weight. I went up to about eighteen stone at one point. Um, I sabotaged my finances to the point where I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt, and it was just a crazy, crazy time. And and I wanted to understand what was going on. And if I look back even before that, you know, I've been uh, clinically depressed twice in my life, once in my 20s and in my 30s. And, you know, so with this kind of thing going on, I thought, you know, there's got to be a reason for it. And then, so if I fast forward, my daughter is now 14. So about 12 years ago, I met my beautiful wife, Lindsay. And Lindsay and I, we, we got together. And if there's time on the show, I'll tell you the story about how we got together and how we created each other. Um, but I just want to make sure I answer your question. So um, Lindsay was in the United States on business, and I woke up one morning being poked effectively by my guides, and they said, look, you need to go to Stonehenge. And so uh, I, was a bit, I was very resistant, and, you know, but I went into the resistance and went through it, and so I jumped in the car for a couple of hours and drove from Bristol down to Stonehenge. And... It wasn't like it is now. If you go to Stonehenge now, there's this big border that's all around it. You can't actually get to the stones. But back then, you could actually go and sit with the stones. So I was was thrown down with rain. I had my umbrella up, and and I was literally sat in the rain, you know, in meditation. And all of a sudden, I was taken through this portal and was met by uh, Druid elders and Druid masters, and they gave me three words, the ego teacher. What also they shared with me was the true purpose of negativity and why we experience it from a human condition perspective and actually how we can be free of it and, and in our lives. So 
when I came out of the meditation, I went home and just carried on with my life. And then every now and again, I would start to have these images and these these sort of – the only way I can do it is say, talk about it, is downloads that would come in. And I started to make notes about them, and they were just like bits and pieces every now and again. And then all of a sudden, they formed this jigsaw. And what I realized through the information is that every single time we experience a a challenge, a hardship, a pain – and, and negativity, it's literally um, a message. And that's a message from you to you that's something not quite or how you think it should be. And so I, and there's a pattern to all of this. And the pattern I call the ego's code. Um, and so where this comes from is this, is when we every person on our beautiful planet is on a soul's journey. And at being on a soul's journey, um, we we have certain things we need to learn from a human perspective and those things for for example for myself around around being able to receive unconditional love being able to appreciate and accept wealth into my life and, and abundance into my life and being able to take care of myself from a health perspective and and so these are my sort of my core three things and most of us have two three four core things that we need to be working on and understand and, and where they come from are traumas. So every single time we experience negativity, we um, we literally are, are are being triggered back to the past because negativity is like an echo or a whisper from our past, whether it be our past in our current lifetime or past in our previous lifetime or past through the dimensions that we work in. Um, and so every single time we experience negativity, we are being triggered back to the past, which means that we're reliving the past in the here and the now. So what has this got to do with the ego? So let me explain. So what happens is this, is when we experience trauma in life, it creates a tear in the soul and part of our soul leaves and goes to a place in consciousness where it feels safe. And that then leaves a hole or a void in the soul. And then into that hole or that void goes all the negativity that's associated with that particular trauma. And then it gets sealed off. And then at the point of incarnation, when we're born and we begin our journey in life, our higher self, which is our true self, that's omnipresent and is everywhere and you know is just representation of all of our love and our gratitude and you know all of our wisdom, it splits into two. 99% of keeping the numbers clean, 99% of it remains the higher self and will communicate through the heart. It will communicate through love and gratitude. And it's, it is the true embodiment of control in our life. And then the other 1% is the ego self. And so what a lot of people don't appreciate or realize is that the higher self and the ego self are actually one and the same. And when we can get our heads around that, that's, that's when the magic starts to happen. So the ego self is created from the higher self, and the ego self is then becomes programmed with all the negativity associated with our traumas. And it acts like a beacon, and it sends out signals into the universe or into the quantum field or into the divine spiritual system, whatever label you want to call it. And it attracts to us situations, circumstances, and people so that we can learn. And as we learn, it clears out the negativity from the void and so that the peace of soul can return. And so many people say to me in my private work and in my readings and on my events, I just feel like something is missing. And that's because something is. 
And so, but it's only something from the human condition perspective. So what happens is, is that when we clear that out, negativity is just energy. And all energy can be transmuted into something that will serve us and enable us to rise up or keep us stuck in the past. And this is part of the challenge of the human condition is that we've been conditioned by society to ignore our negativity, to push it down, to sweep it under the carpet. And when we do, it comes back with teeth and we wonder why. And so I wrote about it. So I, I love that you started with that question because um, it means that we can go to some really great places. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing description. It's just giving me huge another kind of layer of clarity uh, as well as reading your book. That's amazing. So, in, I mean, in terms of dealing with that negativity then, can we, so we have an ego self and the higher self. Can we kind of maybe, I don't know, through meditation, can we live as our higher self kind of temporarily as well as the ego self? Can you kind of balance those two? Because I, I imagine that you can't solve ego problems while you're so consumed with it. I suppose you have to think it requires a different level of thinking. It, it really does, and, and, and that's a really great observation. So, so first of all, let me just give you a little bit more information. So what happens is this, is that so the ego communicates through the head or the mind and the higher self communicates through the heart. And, and it's a partnership between the two because when you have the ego self and the higher self working together as one, we can experience wholeness. So but part, of the, part of the challenge is, is sometimes we allow our head to rule our heart or our heart to rule our head. And it is not one or the other. It is both because the ego holds the lessons and the higher self holds the answers. So this is why I will often say to people when they say, well, I can't think of, think of the answer, can't think of the answer, can't think of the answer, because the answer doesn't lie within the ego, it lies within the higher self. So we have to come together, which is why we're called human beings. And <clears throat> so coming back to your question around a higher level of mind and a higher level of thinking. So um, there was, a, there was a research study that was done, I think it was about in 2005, by the National Science Foundation, which said that we experience about 60,000 thoughts per day. And I actually think we experience more than that, but I just want to stick with this survey. And out of those 60,000, what they said is that the majority are repetitive and about 80 to 90% of them are negative. And so people then say to me, well, Clayton, you know, um, I need to be careful about my thoughts. Well, that would be really great if we actually live consciously because neuroscience has proven that we actually spend 95% of our time unconscious. So in 24 hours in a day, if I give you eight hours sleep, that leaves 16 hours. So out of those 16 hours, 15 hours, we are on automatic pilot. We're just drifting through life, actually not consciously clear um, in terms of the choices and the decisions that we make. Which means that we actually, so if that's what's happening, then people say, to you, well, then I can think positively. Well, thinking positively also doesn't work because what this comes back to the higher level of mind and the higher level of emotion that comes with that. Because when we focus on what is missing in our life, that creates an energetic signature within our body. If, we, if you say your whole body is a beacon that sends out an energy frequency, and quantum physics has proven this. So... If, um, if I have something missing in my life, then the energy signature in my body becomes lack. And so I send out lack, uh, and then I attract back lack. 
because the universe will just respond in the message that you send out. So positive thinking doesn't actually work. Um, and then the other challenge around that is that now quantum physics has proven that we experience wholeness unconsciously 7.8 times per second. So what that means is, is that we are always in creation. So if we're always in creation, that means we're either creating through our negative thoughts or we're creating through conscious positivity of what it is we actually want to create in our life. Um, and so, yeah, so we need to have that higher level of mind. And a lot of this begins with awareness. And when I, what I talk about in the book is a four-step process. And the first step is all about awareness. Because if you come from the stance that every single time every person in the world experiences negativity, they are literally being triggered back to the past, which means they're not present. And so they are literally reliving their past over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so if we're not present, we can't create consciously what we want to create in our life. What's also happening in the physical body is we've gone into high beta brainwaves, which means that we're in stress and we're filling our body with chemicals like cortisol, which are not good for the body and other, other bad chemicals. Um, and so that's when we can become sick and we can create illness within our body. And so the way to avoid all of this is through awareness. And so step one is about awareness because awareness creates presence. And what that does, it brings you back into the here and the now. And what I say to people when I'm working with them privately is begin with that. And so begin when you wake up tomorrow morning, notice how you feel. And if you feel sad or angry or frustrated or anxious, what you're about to do is take all of your past and bring it into your, into your life right now. And that's going to become your day. And, and then, so you need to change, first of all, the awareness means you become present and then you need to change your energy. And then, so you need to sit down and say, okay, so what kind of day do I want to have? Let me, what kind of things do I want to be focusing on and, and literally create your day. And, and there's a, there's a great piece of work by a friend of mine called Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he is all about beginning your day by creating your day. Um, and then in the evening, when you go to bed at night, do the same. Notice how you, how you are, are feeling before you immediately go to sleep. If you are feeling angry or cheesed off or sad or guilty or shameful, you're about to go to sleep with your past. And, you know, and then you'll bring that all the way into your dream state and through your dream state into the morning. And so during, so again, Go to bed at night and change your energy. And one of the ways in which you can do it so beautifully that you mentioned is through meditation. And when you meditate, meditation should change your energy. So you should notice how you feel. Be aware of how you feel before your meditation. Be aware of how you feel after your meditation. And there should be a significant change in how you feel before and after. If there isn't, then stay in that state of being until you do feel different. Um, and then that's the energy that you want to wake up with and take into your day or fall asleep with. And I would start with those two pieces. Yeah, that's amazing. So powerful. Um, and it's uh, very timely that you mention uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza there because I've just started reading his book, um, his new book, Becoming Supernatural. Uh, 
and absolutely mind-blowing it's already within a week it's kind of transformed my life but it's funny because i started kind of doing what he said in the book about a week before i read it which is really strange um because i realized because i'm doing like i'm going through a big transformation in my life at the moment and doing lots of new projects and i realized i was working seven days a week and just really tired and then obviously that's silly but I took one day off and I just didn't do anything and I had all these huge downloads of information I was like oh why have I not been doing this before and then I read his book and then I've kind of started incorporating a uh, a meditation practice now but yeah I completely understand what you're saying now because if you don't you know draw a line in the sand somewhere and create a space for a new reality you'll continue to play out the same patterns is that what you're saying that, that's exactly what i'm saying and and here's the thing it will escalate so right. because there are patterns to it and you know we don't like experiencing negativity so why do you think your ego does and, and the ego is literally a message from you to you that something's not quite right or how you think it should be it's, it's saying to you, you have moved out of alignment with the divine self that who you are and so it's about paying attention so if i said to you imagine the energy it takes to put a rocket into space we have that same energy trapped in our lower three energy centers or our solar plexus our navel and our groin or perineum so what happens is is that energy becomes trapped so when we start to pay attention to the negativity and we start to give it a voice and which is which is step two which is about you know um, acknowledgement and appreciation of the negativity then the energy starts to move and it starts to change. And what it's doing is it's got a message for you. And what I would often do for myself is I will do something called two chair work. So I'll put another chair out in my office and I will say, right, okay, I'm experiencing fear right now. And I will put the fear in the chair opposite me. I don't, I'm not in it. I'm just in the chair opposite. And I would say to the fear in the chair, I say, look, you have energy that I need. You are now becoming a distraction in my life. So I need to understand what's the message that you have for me. And then I would literally move from the chair that I'm in and go into the chair and the other uh, where, the, where the fear is. And then I will embody the fear and I will say, right, okay, so what is it that I need to know? And I will start to automatic write. So I'll have a journal and I'll start to make notes of the messages and the lessons that's coming out. And then I will take, I will then move out of the fear and come back into my chair and I'll read the notes from a conscious state of being. And then I say, right, okay, um, anything else I need to know? And then I'll go back in the chair and anything else that's coming up. And I'll do this two or three times. It doesn't need to be long. It can be five, ten minutes. Um, because this is, all negativity has a message, has an energy signature, and all energy signatures has a language and a message associated with it. And we need that energy for transformation. And if, if we're not going to use it, then it will perpetuate and then we can get caught up in a spiral. And I talk about the spiral effect in my book and we are always receiving feedback and we're either receiving negative feedback or positive feedback. So, and if we miss the negative feedback, it will heighten because the ego wants to get home. The ego, when we learn from, from the negativity and we learn from our patterns, what actually happens is the energy signature shrinks within the ego because all the negativity transmutes and changes into love and gratitude and appreciation. So then it can re reconnect with the higher self. And so it is possible for us to experience wholeness you know, in our life without actually passing away and dying going to the other side and i mean conscious wholeness 
And, and that's where creation comes from. So every single person who is listening to this show has at some point in their life created a miracle or magic in their life, and they don't know how they did it or where it came from. And that's the best way to be because they're in the unknown with it. And when we try to control our outcomes, what happens is, is we're telling the divine that we know better. And the divine is omnipresent and everywhere and sees all the opportunities and sees all the potentials and sees all the dreams and the wishes that are available to us. But where we only see a very, very small percentage of that. So if we can just let go of that and stop trying to control and it's interesting that as from a human condition perspective, we give the ego, which is only 1% of us, all the power and all the control. And it's a perceived control. We're not in control of it at all. You know. So when we can actually become conscious and present, we can then actually create from that place. So when so awareness creates presence, which is step one, and I would be telling people to spend as much time in awareness and observation of their life and start to notice where their triggers are. Who are the people in their life that, you know, winds them up the wrong way and their heckles go up? Learn from that. What are the habits that people have that, you know, they are doing to themselves to keep themselves small? Or, you know, what are the habits that they have that are rising, helping themselves to rise up, et cetera, et cetera, and start to pay attention to these things. And, and then start to, when the negativity comes up, give it a voice, which is step two. So acknowledge and appreciate it and then express gratitude for it because what happens is when we acknowledge it, and we appreciate it, um, it gives us confidence within ourselves and actually changes the neurology within the body. And we change our neural pathways in our brain and the brain waves from high beta to medium to low beta. We then switch into alpha. And when we switch into alpha, that's peak performance. And when we go into peak performance, we then have a clear mind. And athletes know how to do this. And we should be training ourselves how to do that in the moment. Begin with meditation and then start to make it a daily practice when you become aware of yourself and your pains and your challenges. You say, right, you know what? Actually, I'm feeling anger right now. Feel the anger, express the anger, give it a voice. Don't go and poke somebody in the nose or anything like that. Just express it. Um, and one of the challenges for that I've had in my own life is about expression because part of my conditioning when I was growing up and in life is that men don't share their feelings. And, you know, and, and this is an old paradigm um, of thinking. And so it took me a lot of, lot of work with myself, with my amazing therapist, who's like Gandalf, to be able to find my voice around expression about exactly how I'm feeling. And then that moves the energy. And, you know, women are very, very good at it. You know, and but the challenge for men is that they think that when women are expressing what's going on, that they're having a go at them. Actually, they're not. They're just sharing their feelings and emotions. And it's something which we can learn from. So that's step two. Awesome, wonderful. And so let's um, say like you're recognizing some pattern in your life. Um, that you you're aware that you want to change it, but you don't have a clue where to start. Maybe. Because I know I've experienced this myself. For some, you sometimes get caught in that kind of cycle of like just trying to think of a hundred different actions you can take to fix it. I mean, what do you think about kind of surrendering as opposed to feeling like I you know, compulsively have to be taking action right now? Okay, so um, yeah, you do. You do need surrender. So the action piece is is an old paradigm of thinking. 
because um, taking action comes from Newtonian physics and Newtonian law as opposed to quantum law. But there is, you do have, we do have to do our bit when we're in creation. But let me, let me just talk about this first of all. So if I notice that there is a problem in my life, so if everyone who's listening writes down the word rut, R-U-T, so a rut could be a problem, a challenge, pain, negativity, whatever that is in your life. If you put a T in front of the R and an H at the end, you get the word truth. So wherever there is a problem, a challenge, or you're out of balance, or you're out of sync, and negativity is coming up, you've moved out of balance. You've moved away from your truth. And so there needs to be a change. So the awareness enables you to make change. But then what I want people to do is if you put your everyone who's listening, put their hands out in front of them, palms facing up. In your left hand is the thing or the way of being that's important to you. So let's, for example, let's just talk about health because health is an easy one to talk about. So health is in my left hand. In my right hand are all the behaviors associated with good health. So in, if I am going to honor health as a way of being and a way of living, there are certain behaviors I need to demonstrate. So maybe drinking plenty of water, getting plenty of exercise, meditating, plenty of rest, healthy foods, you know, so on and so forth. And then when I do that, I can put my hands together and I can give myself a clap. I give myself a round of applause. I've done it. But if I look at my left hand and health is important to me uh, around my own behaviors, so around the sense of being, and then my right hand, I'm looking, well, I drink too much coffee, I drink, eat too much chocolate, I go to McDonald's, I don't work out, um, I'm not getting enough rest, I'm staying up late watching TV. Then my hands don't come together, they actually pass each other because I'm not congruent. So coming back to your question around, you know, for, for people in terms of what can we do, we have to change our behaviors. It's not necessarily about action, it's about behavior. Because, and when we change our behaviors in line with our divine higher self and who we are in all of our being, then we're doing our bit. And spirit then says, okay, well, you're doing your bit. Now we'll do ours. You're taking yourself seriously. So we'll now do our bit. And, and you'll know that from, you know, building your podcast, building your, you know, your audience and stuff like that. There's certainly, you know, you would sat down and said, okay, the podcast is really important to me. So what do my behaviors need to be around that? What are the things I need to understand? What are the things I need to change in my life? And okay, so I'm going to start to change my behaviors. And you can do this even from a, uh, on a sheet of paper for people who don't want to use their hands. Take a sheet of paper and turn it on the horizontal. A4 sheet of paper, turn it on the horizontal. Column one are all the things in your life that are important to you that maybe are not in flow or um feeling difficult right now and column two are your current behaviors for each of the pieces each one and then column three is you know what should your behaviors be and then if you're going to honor everything you've written down in column one and then column four is the changes that you're going to start to make now it is not possible for a human for, from a human condition perspective to make so many changes at once. We need to do bits of, you know, do the changes gradually. Otherwise, we will experience overwhelm because what happens in the brain is the brain um, wires and fires in certain ways. So, Hebbian law says that neuropathways that wire together will fire together. So, if we're going to change a neuropathway in our brain, we need to be consistent with behavior. 
And as we become consistent with behavior, then what happens is we change our thoughts. When we change our thoughts, we change our experiences. When we change our experiences, it changes our, our personality. When we change our personality, it ultimately changes our life or our reality. And it's an ongoing cycle. And so I would begin there. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's given me much more clarity already. So really, the best way is to change your energy and then change your behavior and go through the exercise. But I suppose if you continually try and create from that place of overwhelm and just fix it, you'll just continue to get the same problem. That's exactly what will happen, Chris. Exactly what will happen because if you, if you think, when we try to create from a place of negativity, we will create more negativity. Uh, because the body is, quantum physics has proven that we are almost 100% energy. And it's actually, we are 19, if you look at yourself in the mirror, and then you look beyond your skin, and then beyond your muscles, and then beyond your organs, and then beyond your cells, and beyond your molecules, and beyond your atoms, all you have is energy. And so we are actually 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
I acknowledged it and I appreciated it. And I spent a few moments, I got goose pimples as I tell you the story and just let the energy just leave. And then magic happened. Then the horse came to me. And, and it's just, it was just the most incredible, incredible experience. And what I learned in that moment is that we are always receiving feedback. And we either see the feedback or we don't see the feedback. And if we, when we become more aware, we become more conscious of who we are and we actually work with our negativity as opposed to ignore it. And we work with it in conjunction, <clears throat> excuse me, with our positivity, then we can create magic in our life. And, and it's really important to pay attention to our lives as opposed to, you know, going automatic pilot. Because when we go into automatic pilot, we go to the past and we are reliving our programs, which is where step three comes in. And step three is about acting for your highest good. And as you know, I'm, I'm a psychic medium and I read the runes and as part of the highest, highest self readings that I do. And there's a rune within shamanism called Rado, R-A-I-D-O, and it looks like a capital R. And Rado is about right, honorable decision-making. And this is where the acting for your highest good comes in. So many people make decisions based upon other people. They, they make decisions that compromise themselves. They do things out of obligation. They do things to please others. They say yes to things that they really want to be saying no to out of obligation. And that lowers their vibration. That is not for their highest good. When we act for our highest good, we may, are making decisions that support us. And when we are active for our highest good, our vibration actually goes up. And, and science has proven that we actually feel good. It gives us more confidence and more competence actually to do it again and again and again. And that means we want to help other people to do the same. And so it's actually the opposite of being selfish. We actually become selfless and we just want to serve people more when we make a decision for ourselves. And if someone doesn't like what you say or what you do, that's their stuff. And you allow them to have their journey. You can invite them to come and play and to join in and be part of your community. And But if they're not ready or they don't want to, then that's you just need to make that okay. But you carry on with your decision. And here's what people don't realize. What people don't realize is this, is that when we make decisions for our own highest good, provided it is for our highest good, then we are always making decisions for other people's highest good. And so that gives other people the opportunity to rise up as well. Um, so, you know, those are the first three steps. And there is one more, which I will share with you in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. How you say, how you, when you make a decision for your highest good, it, it is for other people. Because I've kind of noticed that in situations in my own life, just, I think this is what you're saying off the top of my head. For example, if I leave a job that I've been forcing myself to stay to, and, and you know, I shouldn't really be there, when I when I leave and I kind of look back and get in touch with who's still there, I can see that other people have flowed into a, yep. a new position. It's creating new opportunities for them. And that wouldn't have happened if I was forcing myself to stay somewhere that I shouldn't be. Completely. You know, I was an accountant and tax consultant. You know, mm. I specialised in mergers and acquisitions. And yet, you know, I am grateful for that time, you know, that I spent in the professions because... It enabled me to learn certain things, which I do use every day. In fact, I was only telling my daughter Isabel this last night, and and we were talking about it. And you know, and I said to her, I said, "Look, because she's choosing some 
changing of some subjects within school. And I said, there are th- you'll look back in years to come and you'll know the reason why you had to do that. And, you know, I personally do not like rules, you know. And there, I appreciate the rules. And there are rules in society which keep us safe. But I also think that there are rules for rules' sake. And, um, and I do buck against that. And interestingly, I chose a profession in the beginning which had the largest rules-based legislation in the world. <laughs> and it was incredibly painful for me. But it was interesting, though, when I look back on that, is all the processes and the procedures and the approach and the structure and the order that, that I learned as an accountant, I do use today. One within my, within my consultancy and, and another one I'm actually writing programs uh, for people, because I, I will walk through a process, a very linear type of process, to make sure that I understand how the, I think the participant is, you know, is going to be and experience during that event, during that workshop. But also when I run my my retreats, um, you know, and I'm doing five events next year in the UK through March and April, and these events have been put together in a very in a linear process to enable people to have a real mystical experience in their life. And, and people think, well, really, how can you do that? Because we actually go into a place where there is no time. So I'm in Canada at the end of this week, and and I'm running a 48-hour um, negative, negativity detox and soul rejuvenation. And it's a very powerful 48 hours. And in those 40 hours, no time is allowed. So we don't have any clocks in the room, no watches in the room, no phones in the room. And because I want people to be present with themselves. And it's the same when I do my my speaking engagements and when I do my one-day workshops. And these are things I've been doing throughout March between Norwich and London and Bristol and, um, and, and Bournemouth. So, you know, it's a very powerful um, process that we go through as human beings in terms of this journey of ascension and rising up. And, you know, and I was talking with someone the other day and we often hear about following bliss. Absolutely. Follow your bliss, follow your flow or follow what, you know, the heightened level of excitement. One lady said to me the other day, which I thought was just amazing. So there's a number of teachers out in the world that are talking about similar things. Um, but for me, the most powerful process comes through really working with the negativity because, you know, I, out of 116 hours in a week um, after sleep, um, I probably maybe 5% of the time now experience negativity. Um, and But I've worked at that. I've really worked at that to get really clear on what that is because I, I choose how I want to feel. And when the negativity comes up, I change it. I, I learn from it and I release it. And then I, you know, use it as a force for good in my life and to create magic. And no doubt there'll be other things that will come up. And I have people that I will go to if I'm not seeing something. So I have, you know, certain um, people who I trust, like people trust me, that I go to. I have the most amazing therapist who I see every week. And he does with me what I do with other people. Um, and because there's certain things which I'm trying to get to the root cause of, and I want to accelerate it, which is what he's helping me to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's, a, there's amazing things that are around this work and what's happening for people. Yeah. 
That's, yeah, it's great to hear that uh, obviously someone that's advanced as you are with releasing negativity is still you know getting that feedback from other people because you know we never stop learning really do we so <laughs> it's uh, it's great that you're doing that um i've got a, just a bit more of a subjective question but with, yeah. with regards to the ego um do you have any kind of insight or opinion uh, what it's like moving to the highest or higher levels of human awareness. I mean, if you look at, a, say, someone like a revered figure like Jesus or Buddha, what do you think ego would have been like for them? Would they have kind of almost released all traces of it? Oh, that's a really, really cool question. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, they were all part of the human, you know, they all experienced the human condition, you know, on, on Earth. And so they would have experienced the, experienced the ego, but they would have, this is my own personal opinion, worked with it um, as opposed to against it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's too many people out in the world who think it, who see the ego as the enemy within. And, and I don't think that those, those beautiful ascended masters now are, I think they were of a higher mind and they saw the reason for it. They saw the truth behind it. And, you know, and we're all on a journey of learning as they were. And, you know, and when I am reading for people, they will often come in. And when they come in and energetically, they are, the, the energy is so pure. And it's, it's, it's a really, really high vibrational uh, feeling. And um, there's a great book by, I think it's Dr. David Hawkins, a book called Power Versus Force. And, and in that book, he talks, he calibrates energy. Uh, so he calibrates the energy of, of feelings and emotions. And, and right at the top is peace. And within his book, he talks about that you only need 10% of the planet to actually experience true peace consistently every day, and then the whole world will. Um, and so that's actually not a lot. And... Um, and it may even be smaller than that now because we're seeing you know, great teachers coming out in the world and, you know, the level of consciousness in the world is, is rising up. And, you know, you, we just see that through the different types of, of, of feedback in the world. You know, you look, look at um, Australia at the moment. So Australia has just voted for gay marriage. You know, we, there's been so many places around the world that have had that for many, many years. And, you know, but Russia is not quite there yet. But it's all part of the journey of conditioning. But you know, people, you know, spirits and ascended masters like being in G uh, Buddha and Jesus, they are of a very higher mind and elevated level of energy and frequency. But when they were here, absolutely, my view is that they had an ego, but they worked with it and they learned from it and they became a teacher of it and showed people how to use it as a force for good in their life rather than. From a place of terror or harm, um, that's just and that's just my personal view. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, in terms, so if someone um, you know says, "Okay, I'm fed up of where I'm in life. I want to, you know, have a better life," but I think one of the things that I've kind of picked up on is that, I mean, I think you talk about this in your book as well. People don't know almost don't know who they are or don't know what their highest values are. And I think it, I think having that clarity beforehand makes the whole process easier. So how do you have any insight? How can people, you know, get in touch with their, their greatness and start, you know, making plans on, 
in accordance with their true values? Well, I, I think, you know, the one thing that I would always recommend people do is actually do a values elicitation that flows from the heart. So um, one of the challenges with values elicitations are they become very um, head-driven, so they become very intellectual. And when they become intellectual, they are driven by the mind and, and the ego, and they become think that, well, I would like to be this way, or I'd like to have this, as opposed to actually owning who they are. And so within my book, actually, there's a very powerful um, values elicitation exercise, which I have developed and tested you know, over the last 10 years, but, and it works with the heart. It's all feelings based. And it's all emotions based, and um, and when we, you know, values are positive, and when we honour our values and we live in accordance with our values, then we are living, you know, consciously as close to the divine as we possibly can. It doesn't mean that our values won't change as we evolve and we go through life. Um, but I would certainly start there. Um, I would also be looking at, you know, where and when your negativity comes up. You know, what's actually going on, you know, and, and I often, will, you know, keep a journal. Everyone's got, most people these days have got mobile phones. So if you're in a meeting in the office and you feel yourself getting agitated or triggered by, you know, the person across the, across the way, if you make a note, 12 o'clock, I was in a meeting, um, John said X, I wanted to go and poke him in the nose. The only person who's got to see that is you. And so then you say, okay, so what was going on there? What was it he said? You know, what is it? Why didn't I like that? And that would be a, you know, that's a message from you to you that something's not quite right how you think it should be. The other thing as well is when, you're do, when you do your values, look at where you honor your values and when you dishonor your values, where look at the people who honor your values and the people who dishonor your values and then start to make some changes in your life. And I talk about in my book about peer groups and, creating a community of unconditional love and trust and these are people who see you and i mean see you at a soul level they absolutely love being around you and you love being around them and these are often lifelong friends and my wife often talks about friends are with us for a season a reason or a lifetime and and i have friends very very good friends who are who have been in my life for a very very long time um and i have new amazing friends who I've just come into my life now who I know will be in my life for, for the rest of it. Um, so look at your peer group because your peer group will often be, often be a representation of you. And then the final thing is there's an exercise I always recommend for people is go and ask, find three of your closest friends and ask them the following question. Why do you love being around me? What is it that you see about me? And, you know, what is it that, you know, and see what they tell you. And, you know, and it's often a challenging question to go and ask. And so you say, hey, I was listening to this strange guy on this radio show. Um, he was talking some sense and, you know, some other stuff I'm trying on for size and, and other things I really love. But the one thing he said was actually go and ask my friend. So I'm asking you, you know, and so and, you know, see what they say. And it can it will be very very insightful for listeners in terms of actually why people love to hang out with you, and so when you're giving it when you're having a hard time or you're giving yourself a hard time, then actually come back to that and say, wow, you know, John said I'm I'm, I'm full of gratitude and love and I'm always happy and you know he makes me you know I make him laugh and and Sarah said, wow, you know, you're just full of love and. 
you know, you, you bring joy into my life and, you know, you tell great stories and you're always a great listener. And whatever those things are that people are saying, pay attention to it because they're real, because they'll flow from their truth. That's so powerful. Really great exercise. I never thought of that one before, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. So, yeah, I feel like from what we've talked about that, you can obviously when you're in the heat of negativity it's not very nice but it i always feel like from a high perspective that you can kind of learn to love it that when something comes up you can always be excited because it's giving you an opportunity to you know improve your life really it's coming up for a reason and if you if you solve it you know you're going to move to a to a higher level of living so it's almost you can kind of have this excitement about <laughs> about releasing it all and you're gonna you're gonna have a better life when you do and I, that is just such, you know, a beautiful way to describe it. Yeah, get excited about it, you know. Um, but also at the time, you've got to feel it and express it. And if you don't feel and express it, it will come back. But get it, get excited about it. Oh, my God, I'm about to learn something. And if you can find the excitement within the frustration or you can find, you know, the, the positive aspect of the anger or anything like that, even in that heat of the moment, then you will immediately be changing your brainwaves. Because if you're having extreme anger, you've got to express it. You've got to allow it out. What you don't do is you don't take it out on somebody else. Because the reason that people think that negativity is bad is because of the reactions that come from it. Because we'll say things in the heat of the moment or we'll act in a certain way in the heat of the moment as opposed to actually just – and the more aware we can be – and the more we can express ourselves, the more present we will be. And when we become more present, then we can actually have, you know, very sensible, you know, engaging adult conversations. They can often be very difficult conversations, uh, but they're very grounded conversations in the here and the now, which means that we can support ourselves and support other people. And, yeah, so get excited about it, you know, um, and allow it to come out as a force for good. Otherwise, it will keep you stuck in the past until you learn from it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, so could you uh, just talk a bit about um, some, I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the workshops you're doing. Just give some details for the, uh, for the listeners and uh, what they can expect from them. Thank you. So, yeah, so um, these will be on my website very soon. So um, next week I'm going to be in Canada, but I want to talk more about the ones I'm doing in the UK. So um, throughout March, um, I'm, I am speaking and running workshops at um, the Yes Group in Norwich, the Yes Group in Bristol. Um, I am speaking at the, the Global Consciousness event in, in Bournemouth. Um, and there's a number of other sort of two or three hour speaking engagements and workshops that I'm doing in the UK. And those will take place throughout March. Then in April, I am running a 48 hour um, negativity detox and soul rejuvenation, um, which will be in London. And we're just finalizing the venue right now. So those dates will be announced shortly. And it will be 48 hours uh, where we'll be in no time. And people will come along, and it's the most majestic transformational weekend that takes place. Um, we will begin on the Friday night at, at 7 p.m., and we'll finish on the Sunday evening at about 6 stroke 7 p.m. So it's 48 hours. Um, on the Friday night, people put, bring their energy into the room, and we have a really powerful aligning meditation. And then on the, on the Saturday morning, Saturday morning begins with a two-hour shamanic healing 
and 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 these are very powerful meditations and very powerful healings that we do and i'll tell you how i know that in a moment so then after that we do a little bit of traditional learning around the ego and negativity and then we'll break for lunch and when we break for after lunch we come back in and we do another meditation which is a, a quantum journey to the akashic records and so you actually get to go to the library of the souls and you get to go to your library, you open up your library book, and you under, get to understand a little bit more about your past, your present, and your future. Then in the afternoon, we look at the eight stories that people tell themselves. And there's lots of stories that we tell ourselves, but it ultimately drills down to these core eight. And we spend some time you know, in small groups actually working uh, through these eight. And we then do presentations back to the room, and it becomes a collective learning. Then we break. And then when we come back after the break, um, we then go into the ego's code meditation. And the ego's code meditation is my signature meditation. And people can, can buy that meditation. If they want to accelerate healing from the negativity, then you can actually get that on Amazon.co.uk and also on, all, on uh, iTunes as well. Um, and then what I'm doing now in the evening, there are some extra some new things I'm doing in the evening. So a lot of people like to know how to read for people from a psychic perspective. So what I'm doing now in Canada, which I am going to do in the UK next year, is we're going to teach people actually how to read and how to connect to the higher self um, of, your, of your own and of other people's. And then we'll finish, and then we start early on the Sunday morning um, with a morning meditation. And then after the morning meditation, we'll break uh, for a couple of hours for, for breakfast. And then after that, we then talk about creation. And I have a new meditation that's coming out in the new year, which is called the Magic Shop of Creation. And then so we'll take people through that where they're able to really focus on what it is they want to create for themselves in their life. And then we'll break for lunch. And after lunch, we then go uh, into nature. And the reason we go into nature for a couple of hours is, is to, be, to ground everything in, to work with the, the natural rhythms of nature and the nature spirits and the tree spirits, which are called dryads. And, um, and then we come back in, we tidy up the space and we do a very, very beautiful and powerful closing ceremony. Um, so the reason that I know the event is so powerful and transformative is because we do testing. So, um, we do four different types of testing at the moment. The first one is basic photograph testing of the eyes to see so people can see the change in their eyes before and after the event. Uh, we do weight testing, you know, physically we get people on the scales. You want to see, you know, what weight loss that they have, if any, over the course of the 48 hours, because I've had people on events, um, lose up to seven pounds in 48 hours um, the, because negativity is heavy. It weighs heavy. We also do something that's called GDV um, Carillion testing, which looks at the energy body and the energy centers. So you can see what's going on within your energy field and the energy within the body. Um, and then we also do live blood testing. And uh, so we do live blood testing before and after um, each of the meditations, before, during, and after the event. And everybody is invited to do the testing. Um, and so we actually can get to see the physical changes in the results. And, you know, when I look at, um, at the, say, the shamanic healing before and after people, are, and we do the live blood testing, people's blood go from, goes from being like thick glue to being clean and clear and, and in flow. When we test people before, during, and after, so before the event on the Friday night, people arrive about 5 o'clock, they'll do their testing, 
And often we see that people's blood is very heavy and very thick and got some toxicity in it. And then we test then 24 hours later and we start to see some of the healing of the blood. The blood starts to be to be moved, there's less toxicity in it. And then consistently um, on the Sunday night when we test again, um, then the blood is very clean and healthy blood. And then we then test after the event three months from now. And then those people who continue to do the work, their blood remains the same. Those that you know decide, hey, you know, I've just been on an event. Often, uh, you know, their body doesn't go all the way back to the way it was, but you know, there is some um, regression backwards. But it's a very powerful um, weekend workshop. And if people want to come along and you know check me out, and before they sign up to the event, there will be four opportunities to do that in March and. You can go to my website, which is Clayton John J O H N Anger A I N G E R dot com, and the events will be on my on my homepage and on my events page very very soon. So thank you for asking that. Yeah, wow, sounds incredible. <laughs> Should be a really a really great great day for anyone who partakes in that. Definitely on my street as well, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. <laughs> um, so there's one question that I like to ask all my guests um, during the interviews, and that is, what would be your best advice on how people can contribute to the rise of humanity? That's a great question. <laughs> okay, so I have um, two connected answers to that. First one is to serve themselves at the highest level. And when we serve ourselves at the highest level, we consistently feel happy and we feel great. And then we unconsciously, unconditionally, as opposed to unconsciously, unconditionally then want to go and serve others. And I have literally the opening chapter in my book is called Through the Eye to the One. And so when you take care of yourself, we can actually then physically, our energy and vibration is so big and so great and so joyful that we want to help other people to be the same. And then everything becomes unconditional, which is the beautiful way to live. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So um, do you just want to just quickly mention again where listeners can find out more about you? I know you mentioned earlier, but if just give that information again. I appreciate it. So, uh, people can follow me on Twitter. Um, I put lots and lots of different things on Twitter. Um, if people want to go to my website, claytonjohnanger.com, and join my community um, as we go into December and into the new year. I've got a new newsletter that's coming out, and within those newsletters, there will be uh, free meditations that I'll be sharing. There'll be free webinars which people can come on and you know and learn more. There'll be new online courses which will be available in 2018, and so all that comes comes in and through the community. People can follow me on Facebook, um, or you know come and sign up and want to test me out um, privately. Have a private reading with me. You know, my, my calendar is on my website. People can sign up to have a reading with me. Um, and then they get to experience me personally uh, for themselves as well. So thank you for that, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I will put all the links in the show notes as well for the listeners to uh, check that out so you can get straight to Clayton's website. So, um, well, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on the show today, Clayton. It's been a great conversation. So I just want to uh, thank you for coming on and sharing uh, all your amazing knowledge with the listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute privilege. You know, I love connecting with you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers, Clayton. So... 
That is all for today, guys. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and found some of this uh, knowledge and information to be truly empowering. And definitely be sure to check out Clayton's book, The Ego's Code. Check out his website, which I'll be putting in the show notes because it really is life-changing work if you put the work in and implement it. So thank you all so much for listening and I'll catch you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye.